Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha. Welcome to Island Conversations. Today we're going to be talking about something that affects many, many families on this island. And if it has not affected your family yet, it just might. Alzheimer's and dementia are really, really scary things for most people. And here on the island, more than 20% of our population is age 65 or older. And by the way, one of the biggest risk factors for dementia is in fact getting older. Today we are in part one of a two-part conversation. Today our guest is Patrick Toll of the Alzheimer's Association, and he'll talk a little bit about some techniques to deal with someone with Alzheimer's or dementia, and also give us information about where you can learn more or be connected with support groups. Now I got interested after talking with Patrick about clinical trials and discovered that here in our state, Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience does clinical trials of Alzheimer's, and it's really unusual to have any clinical trial in our state. So next week, we'll be talking with Dr. Corey Kai Liao of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. A reminder that if you do not listen to Island Conversations on the radio, you may always get it as a podcast at kwxx.com or at b97hawaii.com or wherever you get podcasts. Let's get to our conversation with Patrick Toll. Good morning. Aloha, Patrick. Good morning, Sherry. Thank you for having me. Patrick Toll is a geriatric social worker who's been working with caregivers and people living with Alzheimer's for nearly three decades. He has a master's from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He interned at Duke University with Lisa Gwyther, one of the top long-term care professionals in the United States. And during the internship, he co-authored a book called Pressure Points, Alzheimer's and Anger, among other things. He moved here to Hilo and is now our Alzheimer's expert. So, Patrick, thank you so much for taking time, because clearly we have such an aging population on this island, and what you know about and what you can share is really important. And I'd like to start with basic definitions. Dementia Alzheimer's, what are they, and is it the same or different? A lot of people lump those two words together a lot. So dementia is basically an umbrella term. So if you can think about an umbrella, the very tip top of the umbrella is dementia. And then as you look down each side, each side there's a different type of dementia underneath that umbrella. One of the most common forms of dementia that you hear about now, a lot more than you did when I started 30 years ago, is Alzheimer's disease. And we know a lot more than we used to. We still don't understand everything about it. But dementia basically is when you have memory loss that affects your ability to do activities of daily living. The difference with Alzheimer's is that that regression continues. So there's Alzheimer's, there's multi-infarct dementia. Sometimes those two come together. What does that mean, multi-infarct? Multi-infarct dementia are basically a series of small strokes. It's also sometimes called vascular dementia. So those are the two most common ones that you hear about. And then you also sometimes hear about some others like Parkinson's. And Parkinson's may be more neurological. Sometimes people that have Parkinson's don't have memory changes or don't have significant memory changes. But quite often when you have Parkinson's, your gait changes. The way you walk changes a little bit. You quite often will turn your feet inward as you walk. A lot of times it's more difficult at some point to keep your head up. 
and that you have difficulty walking at another point. Patrick, you mentioned diagnosis, and I'd always thought, I'd always read that you really could not diagnose Alzheimer's till somebody did an autopsy after someone mm-hmm. died. But tell us what kind of tests would be used to help a doctor and therefore the individual and the family know what they have, whether it's some standard form of dementia or Alzheimer's or something sure. else. So typically the first step is a cognitive assessment test, and there, there are several different that you can choose from. I've seen for fun at health fairs, people use these cognitive skills assessment tests to see if there have been memory changes. And the important thing to remember is even if you scored in a range where it's, it suggested that you had had significant memory changes, it's really important to remember that you don't know why you have those memory changes. That test tells you nothing about why the person has the memory change. And it's important to remember that one of the reasons why you want to have a good doctor and have as definitive a diagnosis as you can have is there are some things that are correctable. And I think sometimes people get so scared to go to the doctor and tell them that this might be happening that they miss out on some sort of treatment that they have if it's correctable. So for instance, you can have a vitamin deficiency and have memory changes. You can forget for a while to take your blood pressure medication. There's a book called Best Pills, Worst Pills, which I think is now an app. And if you look at the generic form of the same drug, it can have different side effects. Sometimes there are some blood pressure medications, for instance, which cause a hacking cough, cause your throat to be really dry. Some people decide then, well, I'm not going to take it today because I'm going to fly on a plane over to California to see my family. That's the worst thing you can do because you're going to be more dehydrated on the plane anyway. And so it's really important to remember to take your medications because it could be something simple as not taking your medications on time. You mentioned cognitive assessment tests. So you'd go to the doctor and say, hey, I'm not remembering things. I'm forgetting people's names Mm -hmm. or forgetting words. Is it the kind of test where I want you to remember these three words and I'm going to ask you at the end Mm -hmm. of the discussion and those kinds of things? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's putting the uh, face on a clock and that sort of thing. Those tests, though, again, that's just the first step. You want to have blood work done. You may have to have a CAT scan, PET scan. There are different things that you may have to have done based on what your doctor decides. Even if you were able to leave this island and go to the top doctor in Alzheimer's disease research, if you could go to the top geriatric evaluation clinic tomorrow, if you go to the top one and see the best doctor, they still may say, you know what, it's too early to tell. I realize your family has seen changes and you've noticed some changes in yourself, but we don't know yet. And you don't want to get frustrated with that because you've now established a baseline. You may go back in six months or a year and you've established a baseline with the doctor and then they may be able to decide or determine what else is wrong. Do you have any idea how many people in our state or on our island most particularly suffer from dementia of any kind? They're close to 6 million in the United States. There are approximately 26,000 people in the state of Hawaii. I'm not sure about Big Island specifically, but there are approximately 26,000 people who are living with Alzheimer's disease. That translates to about 100,000 unpaid caregivers. Meaning family members who help them out. Quite often it's a family member. Sometimes I've noticed on the Big Island that it's a friend because maybe if they've moved here because they wanted to retire here and their family is back in Japan or on the mainland in California somewhere. Yeah, it's their friends actually who take on that role. Does everybody get dementia as they get older? 
No, but it is the biggest risk factor. Age is the biggest risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. It goes to, I believe, one in three after age 85. So one of the reasons why we didn't hear about Alzheimer's as much is people didn't live as long. Now people are living longer and healthier lives. They're taking care of themselves. You know, People are exercising, taking care of their brains and their body. Well, and that goes into, you mentioned that age is the biggest factor. What are the other causes of dementia of any kind? You could have a small stroke, and you can have memory changes that can possibly be reversible or may establish a new baseline, but there are other risk factors. There is one that's environmental. You hear about that some if you've heard about like Ancestry.com or the new testing you can do you know, to find out your ethnic background. So you can also do genetic testing, and if you were predisposed to have Alzheimer's, there's a genotype called APOE4, which is a genotype that puts you at risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. But again, you know, when you find out you have Alzheimer's, it's not the end of the world that day. Many people live long, healthy lives. But when you find out, you have to make sure you start eating right if you're not doing that and taking care of yourself. Okay, well, so that gets back to my question of what causes it. Obviously, aging, it sounds like from what you're saying, a healthy lifestyle is important to try Mm -hmm. to ward it off. Well, the science of living longer is really important for everybody. So it's really important for all people to take care of themselves, eat right, and that sort of thing. The other things that take place are, you know, again, you know, have to do with getting blood flow to the brain. You hear a lot of stories about people who didn't take their blood pressure medication, again, who think maybe they have memory changes, and then they start taking it regularly or talk to their doctor about switching to a new medication, and those changes subside. It's also important to remember that things like smoking are not healthy habits to have. So it's really important to remember that if you are smoking, these are things that you might want to change, you know, if you want a healthy lifestyle. I know that the Alzheimer's Association is very involved in research. And if I go to their website, I can see all kinds of research that's being done. Mm -hmm. Give us your sense of the most current research relative to prevention. You've just talked about some of the risk factors, but is Mm -hmm. there anything in the research that you want to specifically mention that's a preventive thing that we should understand? One of the things that I mentioned before already is blood pressure. It's really important to keep your blood pressure in a normal range. And the reason is because you need blood flow to the brain to keep yourself healthy. We have a trial match program where we match people to different research trials. Quite often, Hawaii and Alaska are kind of left out, but there is a new study called the U.S. Pointer Study that is based in Oahu, and they actually are including Hawaiians in this study. So anyone who wants to participate can. It is really important for people in the Hawaiian Islands to participate in this. It's one of the first times. A lot of people think that you have to have memory loss to participate in these studies. Many of these studies focus on people whose brains are aging normally. Also, if you look at most research studies, we look at monozygotic twins. And one of the reasons we look at monozygotic or identical twins for different research like Alzheimer's disease is we look to see if two people are from the same egg or they are exactly the same, what's different about their environment. So maybe let's say that one person lived on Oahu and the other person lived in Hilo their entire life. Do they smoke? Have they taken care of themselves? Have they exercised? They look at all those things. They also look to see if you've been exposed to toxins during the war, all sorts of things that could be some sort of risk factor that we don't know much about yet. Is 
dementia is Alzheimer's hereditary? You mentioned gene studies and you mentioned the twins just now. We don't know all that we hope to know in the future about Alzheimer's disease. We hope that there's a cure. We don't know, but is it genetic? There is a school of thought that some people say that early onset is considered more likely to be hereditary versus late onset. And late onset would be maybe 75 to 85 and older. There are 200,000 Americans under age 65 in the U.S. who have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. One of the reporters on CBS News, his wife had early onset Alzheimer's, and he did some pieces about her. And it seems like those folks get very ill, very incapable of taking care of themselves, and typically die at fairly early ages. Is that typical of early onset Alzheimer's? I don't know if it's typical, but I do think that if you're younger, you're a little bit more aware of what's going on, and I think it can cause other issues like depression, clinical depression. A lot of people who are older, like in their 80s, the doctor may say, you know, there are other things that are going to be health issues that are more of a concern than this if the person is 90 years old or 95. Is there medication today that will stop Alzheimer's or dementia or slow it or even reverse it? The answer is no. There are medications that treat some of the symptoms, and that's why you want to have a good, clear diagnosis. You want to know what you're treating if you're going to give someone medication. The one that people have heard about for the longest time is Aricept. Basically, it helps with confusion. The medication is an enzyme blocker that helps restore natural substances in the brain, like neurotransmitters. It helps connect better. You'll hear about Nomenda. Neither one of these medications cures Alzheimer's, but it may improve the ability to perform activities of daily living and some daily functions. It blocks the action of glutamate in the brain which is believed to be linked to some of the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations, and I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Today, we are talking Alzheimer's disease in the first of a two-part conversation. Patrick Toll of the Alzheimer's Association is giving us some general information about Alzheimer's, and will talk with us about support resources available. Next week, we're going to talk with Dr. Corey Kai-Liao of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, which is on Oahu. They're doing clinical trials about Alzheimer's, and he'll give us more of the medical perspective. And if you don't listen to Island Conversations on the radio, it's available as a podcast at kwxx.com or b97hawaii.com or wherever you get podcasts. Before we go back to Patrick Toll, a word from KTA Superstores. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. Let's get back to our conversation with Patrick Toll of the Alzheimer's Association. I did a program at the Public Library in Kona on understanding Alzheimer's and other dementias. I had a person come up to me that day. She showed me a newspaper article, and she said, see, here's a cure for Alzheimer's. If you look really clearly, it does look like a very nice newspaper article, but it was actually an advertisement. And if you read it thoroughly, nowhere in the article does it mention the word Alzheimer's. It does say that it may help with memory. Well, I'm sure that there are supplements that may help 
with memory, perhaps. But I don't know that we can take a position on that yet because I don't know that we have enough information yet. Well, all supplements, one of the big issues is there's never any definitive medical trials. There's not clinical trials for those things, and that's why the whole issue of supplements is so tricky. I know Mm -hmm. that the College of Pharmacy here has had classes in alternative therapies, but in talking with folks from over there, I know that they've said that's the big issue with supplements, that we don't have definitive information about any supplements Mm -hmm. almost. How do family members best help friends or relatives with memory loss. You know, it's a scary thing. If I don't remember who you are when you're sitting right in front Mm -hmm. of me, I might be really nervous. How would you help some family member who had those kind of issues? Well, we offer a variety of different programs through the Alzheimer's Association. Recently, I tried a program, I just called it Caregiver Boot Camp, and we offered it in Hilo at the Aging and Disability Resource Center. And by the way, Hawaii County on Aging has two offices, one on the west side and one on the east side, and they have aging and disability resource specialists on both sides that help with those things as well. On the west side, it's Alice Bratton and Lisa. And on the Hilo side, Leilani, Wesley, and Corey are aging and disability resource specialists who can help with any kind of concerns that you have. But during this program, we have a couple of different modules, and we talk about ways to communicate with the person with memory loss, regardless of what type of memory loss that is. A big reason why people come to these events is they meet other people, because in Hawaii, at least, well, I can speak to the Big Island. On the Big Island, a lot of people think, number one, they're the only one, and number two, that this is a family issue and should not be discussed outside the family. And when they come to one of these events, like a caregiver boot camp or even just a a talk, an educational talk, they see that there are other people that are just like them. And quite frankly, that's the best A caregiver, a veteran caregiver, is the best person you can talk to. So we do have caregiver support groups all over the island, and my goal is to have 10. Now I'm adding two more, so we should have about seven or eight. I'm starting a new one in Waimea with Karen Clay at Hoanani Adult Care Center. We're starting one with Alice Bratton at the West Hawaii Civic Center, the Kona office for the Aging Disability Resource Center. Okay, so you're saying support groups are good. If somebody in my family has memory loss, how do I best address this? Because maybe they don't know they have memory loss. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do, and it's upsetting to them. So help us understand just the practicalities of daily life. Okay. In adult daycare and in facilities, we try to teach paraprofessionals and professional caregivers about ways to redirect. So for instance, when I was in adult daycare, we had several men who were much larger than I was, and they wanted to go home around 2 o'clock. They had sundowners. They got a little bit confused. Sundowners means? In the afternoons, they became a little bit more confused and disoriented about where they were. And is that typical for Alzheimer's or Not everyone has that, but some do. But they wanted to go home, and they didn't think they were in Hilo or Kona. They thought they were you know, wherever it was that in their memory they were. And we try to teach people to live in that same memory with them, so we redirected. So for a couple of the men, the only way we could get them to stay in the facility was we turned the sprinkler system on outside and had sprinkler systems sprinkle on the windows next to the door. And a way to redirect is if I'm younger than you and I'm asking you to let's go look for your umbrella together before we go outside because it's raining, that's a very valid and realistic reason for me to help you do something. If I were to tell you, I'm sorry, you can't go outside, that's a totally different story. You're not in Hilo. 
you know, you're in Santa Barbara, California, that's a totally different story because as far as their memory goes, they're somewhere different than you are. Ah, interesting. But I like that, the idea of redirecting, because for anybody I know, it's frustrating. And yeah, I can see that. Redirection is a really great technique. A lot of it has to do with just, again, what's valid and real outside. And you have to think about things. I've tried to use this here, but it doesn't work. But there are free Google voicemail accounts on the mainland. And one of the things that we used to tell families to do, create a couple of different voicemail messages. It was free. And the message would say something like, Ed, I'm on my way. I'm almost at the adult daycare center. I'm sorry I'm late. The traffic is really bad. Then we have another phone number with a different message. So that person would stay inside and wait because they heard a voice that they recognize. It has to be somebody they recognize. We also use pieces of paper. So we might put a piece of paper in your pocket, and you might say, you know, my daughter left, and she's not coming back. I think she left you a message. Why don't you look in your pocket? I think it's in your left front pocket. Oh, yeah. Read it. It says, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm on my way. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be there in a few minutes. That seems to work really well. And again, that's all about living in that person's reality. Lisa Gwyther used to talk a lot about therapeutic fiblets. And a lot of people say, I can't lie to my husband. I can't lie to my wife. I can't lie to my mom. Well, you're not lying if you're living in their memory where they are right now. You're really not, because in their memory, they're not in 2019. They might be in 1965. How do you determine where somebody is in their memory? Well, I think you listen to what they say. Typically, at any facility, you take a family history. I want to know as much about you and your family as I can know, because if I know you used to be in a canoe club and you're disoriented and you don't understand where you are, I'm going to find a way to reconnect with you using something that's part of your memory. And that could be you used to be a canoe in a canoe club. So I maybe find somebody to come in and talk story with you one day a week, something like that. Or if I know that you're of a particular faith, I might bring someone in and talk to you if that's something that gives you comfort. So there are lots of different ways that you can redirect, but you're living in that person's memory. And it's really not lying if you really think about it. They're somewhere else than you are, and you have to meet them where they are. Everything we've talked about is just a reminder that there is an expense associated with this, like any disease. So there's maybe medication, but there's also caregivers and all the kinds of things that go along with that. Does the Alzheimer's Association have any estimate for what the average cost for a family is to take care of a family member who has dementia or Alzheimer's? You know, I don't know the answer to that question. It also could go on for a long time. I look at some people who've had to put their loved ones into facilities Mm because they just cannot stay at home. Does insurance cover usually the medications, long-term care, short-term care, adult daycare, any idea about that? It really depends on what type of insurance you have. We do have Kapuna Care funds on this island. And again, you'd want to talk to somebody at Hawaii County Office on Aging about that. And Kapuna Care funds are what exactly? The state of Hawaii put some funds aside, I believe it's something like $70 a day for people who are still working. And, you know, maybe you're caring for your mom and she's living with you. The average caregiver works the equivalent of two full-time jobs. But that's why one of the most popular books is still the 36-hour day, because it is not a 24-hour day. And is a 36-hour day a book about somebody who's caring for someone with Alzheimer's or dementia? It gives a variety of different care issues in that book. It's called a 36-hour day, and I think it's like, I don't know, maybe it's fifth or sixth edition now. 
When you were working as an intern, the book that you co-authored is called Pressure Points, Alzheimer's and Anger. I have heard that anger is a big part of Alzheimer's. Tell us about that. I think people, when they're disoriented, become very frustrated. They also become extremely frustrated when they have some aphasia. Forget a word, and someone helps you with that word. A perfect example would be this last caregiver boot camp we had. We had a woman who came and she said, you know, Patrick, you're going to do a module, you're going to do a talk on communication. My husband has Alzheimer's. He liked to come. Would it be okay? Well, usually we say no, and usually we say no because we want the caregivers who are there, the care partners, we call them now, to be able to speak openly. But I asked everybody in the room, there are about 22 people, and I said, would you be okay with this? And they said yes. So, you know, I was a little bit hesitant, but, you know, this person came in and sat down, and they said, nobody ever listens to what I have to say. This person was using four-syllable words. This was an extremely intelligent man who just needed a little bit more time to get his words out. I used to make cards that say, please be patient. The person with me has memory changes. I didn't say Alzheimer's. We made some cards for this man. And his wife said, you know, that's a really good idea because he can't get his words out. But if you give him this card and person reads it and gives him time, this person can speak to you and tell you what they need. They just need more time. A lot of us don't have time. We're a fast-paced society, even on this island. But I think if you give people time then they can get their words out. And I think that's what we're trying to do on this island. You've talked about the caregiver boot camp, and you've talked about support groups. How do people find out what kind of assistance they can get from you, Patrick Toll, here on Big Island and or from other aspects of the Alzheimer's Association? That's the best question. We have an 800 number. It's toll-free, 1-800-272-3900, You can call that toll-free number at 1 a.m. You might not get me at 1 a.m., but if you call that toll-free number and you say, you know what, I'm having difficulty, I need help right now, you can ask to speak to a care consultant. This is a master's level clinician who will help you right then. And then what you say is, I want to speak to Patrick. The next day, they generate an email that's sent to me that lets me know that I need to follow up. If you don't need to follow up, that's great. But remember, if you need help right that second, you can call this number any time, day or night, and then the next day when you have time, we'll see if we can't meet and talk this out. Who is answering that 800 number you just mentioned? So these are master's level clinicians all over. Other than if I need some immediate assistance, how do we find out about your workshops, your support groups? Where is that information contained for folks to look up? Go to the website, alz.org. Alz.org. Forward slash Hawaii. Forward slash Hawaii. So alz.org forward slash Hawaii. It will list all the programs that we have on the different islands. You can put your zip code in. There are a variety of different neat resources on this website. There's Safe Return and Medic Alert. There are blogs. You can create your own blog if you're a caregiver or care partner, care receiver. You can create a blog. You can talk to people online day or night, which is really nice. There's also something for caregivers that's called Alzheimer's Navigator. You can create an action plan. An action plan actually is a printable document that gives you suggestions on how to talk to the doctor or how to talk to your family member about not driving anymore. And then you kind of personalize it so that it's just for your family. One of the symptoms of people with Alzheimer's and or dementia is often getting lost or wandering away from home. What strategies can you suggest to address that? 
There are some really inexpensive little electronic door alarms. Some people literally sleep with the bed in front of the door. I don't know that that's a good idea. It's probably not good for REM sleep for the caregiver, but some people do things like that. It's probably not good for safety either, no. frankly, <laughs> if there's a fire or something. Yeah. Safe Return and Medic Alert are wonderful bracelets that help find people who get lost, but a clothing label is also another thing that you can use. The person's name and a phone number to call in case they got lost. And it's a really smart thing to do. You can order them online from different companies. You can iron them on. Some people sew them in. Is there a way you can help somebody not wander out of the house? Most of that, again, has to do with redirection. So I mentioned the example of turning the sprinkler on. You can have sprinklers on timers to have sprinkler system come on so that it looks like it's raining outside. And a lot of times that's enough time to keep the person inside long enough for you to redirect them. But there are lots of other things you can do. It really depends on the person and their family history. But a lot of it has to do with knowing what they used to enjoy when they were younger and incorporating that into their life. Redirecting in some way that's familiar to them from their past helps a great deal. Patrick, you mentioned support groups. If somebody wants to get involved in a support group, how do they go about that? Sherry, you can go to alz.org forward slash Hawaii. When you scroll down, there's a large button that says support groups. Click on that, and then you can look for the support group in your area that you're interested in. You can also call me 808-518-6649. 518-6649. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add before we say aloha? Thank you for having me today. Okay. Thank you so much, Patrick Toll. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. I'll see you next week for another conversation about Alzheimer's, this one with Dr. Corey Kai Liao of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience on Oahu. Until then, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoi ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback back and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.